The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary. Based on well-verified references fed through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. Clear insight fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Good evening. Good morning. And depending on where you are on the globe, I guess that's, that's if it's morning or evening, but uh, at any rate, welcome to the other side of the news. This evening, uh, our show is titled Got Rights, and our guest is James Michael. This is our 45th show. So when I did an introduction a few weeks ago, I said, well, it's just been a wild and woolly week, and I'm not sure where to start. And this week, I'd say... It's been a wilder and woolier week, and I really don't know where to start. So I just kind of made a random thought process, a stream of consciousness, and listed a few of the things that were crossing my mind. And it's been an extraordinary week as far as things and developments that have happened in the world, in the United States. We've had an incredible time, um, and, it, and it goes around the world as far as these events are are populating is like uh, the same types of events all over the planet. But uh, here in the United States, one of the things that came out is Mike Lindell of My Pillow came out with a documentary called Definitive Proof, and it was wildly, oh my goodness, something. Okay, definitive proof. And it was um, very widely circulated. I have, I, I follow a lot of these things and I have never seen anything uh, be so widely circulated as this particular documentary. What was interesting about it is that it was so widely circulated and that it was very well received by a certain part of the population and another part of the population here just completely ignored it as if it never occurred. But the sensor bots were absolutely wild for it. And Mike uh, Lindell has the company MyPillow. And in MyPillow, uh, they, um, he has it in a lot of different companies, a lot of different retail locations. And they dropped his uh, pillow line because he said something that they didn't agree with. So this type of censorship is beyond just the big tech, beyond mass media. It's getting into... Uh, being penalized for, for voicing your First Amendment rights. And it's not as if this person's a criminal for vo voicing their rights. 
So this is a very uh, disturbing thing in my, my view of this. It's a very difficult time. It's splitting the country. There's certainly, um, it's becoming so black and white. It's becoming, if you don't completely 100% agree with me, then I, then I can't even talk to you. And that's, that's just absurd and ridiculous. That's just my personal opinion. But um, so we're in a place where we're in a, in a, in a theater of a, an impeachment, and we've got these people accusing each other of things. And the, the uh, Democratic side has said, well, you know, you incited violence. You incited a riot. You incited an insurrection by, by this. At the same time, um, they have been pointing the finger. The point fingers have been pointing back. And I find that the most interesting little piece I just came across was a piece by, um, it was an opinion, in the Washington Post, and it said, if Republican senators acquit Trump, they will own the violence that follows. Hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds a bit like a threat. So here we are, you know, saying that this was, was incited by violence, but then we're threatening with violence. None of this makes sense. This is craziness. Um, we've got Fauci double talking. He's saying one thing one week, one thing the next, and then something else, and then double the mask. No, you don't need masks. You know, my grandmother said, if you just tell the truth, you don't have to worry about keeping your story straight. Maybe Fauci should take that kind of advice. The CDC has announced in, um, well, not announced, they've, they've published in papers that they are, the, the PCR tests are incredibly inaccurate. It's something that we've been talking about on this show since April. Uh, the death statistics, um, they have admitted that they are not correct. Then a study came out a, that came out this week that said that the death rates were inflated by uh, 1,600%. That's pretty significant. Over Miramar, we have a, a republic that's being taken over by the military for voter fraud. We had Dominion machines. Um, and so we're seeing like a little cosmos of our own life. In the meantime, we've got Governor Cuomo of New York, and he has a scandal of mass murder in nursing home deaths that's come has come out this week um, from his own staff. And yet this this afternoon, he was at the White House having lunch and being treated as if he wasn't having this issue. So at this point, you know, with all of this going on, I kind of wonder what's going on. Which side of the giant psyop are we in? So it certainly leaves a lot of things to discuss. On the lighter side of things, um, well, I haven't quite finished here. And then I said one other thing. We had the uh, puppy bowl this week, and we had the Operation Game Over, which didn't get nearly as much publicity. But at the, at the uh, Super Bowl, there was a sting operation going on from that county, and they arrested over 75 people, and the, the operation was called Game Over, Operation Game Over. So depending on where you're watching and who you want to see, um, you're seeing totally different stories come out. So it's, it's endless as far as the strangeness going on. Um, so not so strange, there was a uh, shipwreck off of the shore of Cape Cod in 1717, and it killed 102 people on board. It was the richest buccaneer in history. His name was Captain Black Sam. And the Wydaw was the ship. And this week, they discovered that there were six skeletons in it. So this is very interesting archaeologically. There's all kinds of, of uh, 
artifacts and things like that in concretions. So that was all going on. And then the best thing this week, I think, and I posted it on my items, um, was a little video from Texas. And it was a, a video conference of two attorneys and a judge. And um, you'll have to see it, but it's worth 22 seconds of your time to go look it up and really get a good laugh after all of this going on. So that's kind of my discombobulated because the whole world feels a little bit discombobulated to me. That's the way I'm seeing this week and how we enter into our show this week. So, Cynthia, Timothy, how's it going for you? Well, good morning. It's uh, it's very early where I am at the moment. I, uh, I've been traveling this week and uh, stepped out of Turkey for a little while and to another country, and uh, which is completely and utterly covered by snow from head to foot. I know because I've, uh, I've traveled almost the entire north or south to north length of it. Um, fascinating to see how travel is these days, to go to airports and um, you know, customs and passport control, and, and to see how other people, other passengers are dealing with you know, uh, mask wearing. I have to say I did feel like a traitor to uh, the cause to actually wear a mask during a flight because there was absolutely no other way uh, not to. Um, but it was necessary. I really needed to make this, uh, this, this international travel. And regrettably, I needed to wear a mask. But I have to say that was the first time since last, well, last June or something like that, that I've actually worn a mask for actually even before the first time since March or April, since all this begun, that I've actually worn a mask for more than, you know, uh, an hour or so. The flight was about an hour and a half or something like that. And by the time you sort of dilly-dally around with a glass of water or or whatever it is, then, you know, it, it cuts the time down. But I had no idea how people put up with this for any extended periods of time, I, I just really do not. I mean, it's like my face is irritated. My, uh, it, 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 I don't wish to get too detailed, but I mean, you know, you sweat under a mask. You're conscious of your breath, and I, I just found the best way was just to sort of pull it as, as push the little wiry clip at the top in a such a shape that it allowed a sort of a larger airspace and uh, breathe through my nose more than through my mouth. And I found that was the best way to sort of deal with it. I hardly noticed it was there for a while. I'm sure it's not technically correct according to mask protocol. But then again, I'm probably the last person that really wants to adhere to it. So, yeah, I can go into so many details. Um, but I think that the that, that one of the inspirational events of this was the passenger who I sat next to on the plane. Um, turns out to be an engineer and I we had a very good conversation for pretty much the duration of the flight. And he is somebody from a totally different walk of life and was, you know, I'd say 99.9% on the same parallel trajectory as I am, as we are, and where in relation to what this whole pandemic is about. And uh, it's very heartening to know that so many other people are aware and awake. So, I can say dip into this this little story later if if it's relevant. But in the meantime, I'm going to say good evening, Kintia. How are you? Good evening. Good evening, all. So 
This has been, uh, well, first of all, I have to say I've, we've enjoyed some beautiful weather today and a couple of days ago, but af following a lot of rain. But for me, um, what's been significant is watching uh, people in my life, their, their perspective, slightly they're starting to budge. You know, they're starting to consider, well, maybe it isn't just how it's been reported. And while I'm not going out a lot there because I work a lot at home, still relationships are very important to me. And when there's a shift in that direction, I'm, I'm extremely sensitive to it. Uh, so I've also spent a lot of this time in reflection as to, you know, how as a conscious being I can be, pay attention to events that are seeming very strange and to, to find the uplifting perspective, not to take it so dark that you can't recover. So uh, I've been watching things happen in, in the capital and also here in California. And I've also been being diligent. Like I saw this one thing being circulated that these people were being arrested and they'd gone to this website and they were videoing this website. Look, this person says arrest report, arrest report. And I said to myself, well, probably just a money site. So I went to the site and put my own name in there. And sure enough, it said arrest report. So I said, well, that doesn't prove anything. So, you know, there's this um, having to be diligent about following, well, what is, what is the source of this message? It may say what I'm hoping to hear, but, you know, if it's not accurate, it only hurts the work that we're all doing together. Uh, I can say that I'm extremely pleased that I'm seeing more and more references to the Republic. I mean, I never, five years ago, I don't think anyone, except for the very small few, were talking about the Republic. And I'm becoming more educated every day, and our guest tonight is really going to share a lot more light on that. So uh, I think that there is an increasing awareness happening locally and globally i'm watching what's happened like in china and around the world and clearly this is not a phenomenon that's limited to the united states there's something very strange going on all around the world and well what do these clues mean i'm i'm reflecting because do you want to see what's there and I don't want to just jump on something because, oh, it's sensational or, oh, it's, it, you know, it backs up my point of view. No, I want to challenge each point that's there and find what is the truth of it. So there's a lot of reflection, you know, what is the truth of it? And it comes down to, well, what's the truth of my own being? Because each of us, moment by moment, we're editing our experience. It's coming through our filters. And are we seeing this event as something that's victimizing us and limiting us? Or are we seeing this as the opportunity to reclaim our awareness and our freedoms? Is this a positive thing or is this a negative thing? And so I come back to, well, moment by moment, it's a choice. It's a choice, moment by moment. And 
the stance that I take within myself, within my consciousness, is going to be reflected in what I see out there and what I experience out there and those I draw to myself. So I, I'm noticing also that I belong to a women's group and I'm witnessing so many uh, sisters that are finding this as an opportunity to move into work that's more in alignment with what they feel their life is about. It's a release from some of the drone work, if you will, that was in corporations. People are having to draw on their creativity and find new ways of bringing in income. You know, they may have been just complacent before now they can't afford to be complacent so it's really pushing the creativity and that's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful thing so there I am I'm grateful I'm I'm <laughs> it's like it's like being in the water and there are pebbles and you're rocking walking on them and sometimes they're they're painful but you see that there's a path that's going to take you to a better place so you keep walking anyway so, Annetta, I know that you were going to share some points about the direction you'd like this show to go. Would you like to? Sure. Yeah. But so I, I did want to bring up something that I think is uh, very interesting. We are seeing all of this uh, airing of extraordinarily dirty laundry all over the place, and scandals are breaking forth left, right, and center. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's, it's really good to expose this because it's making people aware uh, in case they were, you know, utterly asleep, which we know many people are, uh, you know, it is waking people up and, it, and, it's, and it's causing people that have been kind of uh, interested to be much more alert to what's going on. And one of the things that's going on is um, people are realizing how the governments are, are way overreaching their authority that we the people are the people that give them the authority. It's not the other way around. The government does not have authority over us. We have authority over the government. The Constitution was drafted to protect us from the government. We, it is not the thing that gives us our rights. Our rights are you know, um, unalienable, but the government usurps those rights, and that Constitution is to keep those, those rights from being usurped. So I want to give you an example. Uh, so one of the more, well, I live in California, and, and, and Newsom is quite close to being recalled. Uh, if any of you are Californians, I encourage you to look at the recall effort and to get your signature on there. It's a historic time. Um, all of you that live in California, I don't need to explain to you how dire the situation has gotten out here. But the second place winner is probably New York. And in New York, um, 14 senators in the New York Senate um, have issued a joint statement calling for a repeal of the governor's to issue unilateral directives. So on March 3rd, 2020, the legislation was passed to significantly expand the governor's executive powers under an emergency declaration, including giving him the ability to issue directives in light of the COVID pandemic. Okay, we can agree with that, but how long do emergencies go on? Well, according to our Constitution, two weeks. So I think we've passed that, considering that was last March 3rd. Uh, it goes on to say, without exception, the New York State Constitution calls for the legislature 
to govern as a co-equal branch of government. While COVID-19 has tested the limits of our people and states, and early during the pandemic required the government to restructure decision-making to render rapid necessary public health judgments, it is clear that the expanded emergency powers granted to the governor are no longer appropriate. While the executive's authority to issue directives is due to expire on April 30th, we urge the Senate to advance and adopt a repeal as expeditiously as possible. So this is something that they're, they're putting forth. And what's interesting about it is it's very clear language too. There's no legalese there. This is more like what the, we the people, what they're wanting. And these senators, I, I got to give them credit. They've come forth and said, you know, this isn't right for the people. So there is some progress being made. And I, and I do want to um, also refer to this before we get to talking with our guests, because it is precisely about these topics that we're going to be discussing. But uh, there was a ruling in the United States Supreme Court shortly after the Civil War. Uh, it was ex parte Milligan, and uh, it was in 1866. So it's, it's, um, it says, neither the legislature nor any executive or judicial officer may disregard the provisions of the Constitution in case of emergency. Section 98, therefore, anyone who declares the suspension of constitutionally guaranteed rights to freely travel, peacefully assemble, earn a living, freely worship, etc., or attempts to enforce such, such suspension within the 50 independent sovereign continental United States of America is making war against our constitutions, and therefore, we the people they violate their constitutional oath and thus immediately forfeit their office and authority and their proclamation may be disregarded with impunity. And that means anyone, even the governor and the president. So this couldn't be any more clear. And what have we seen exactly that? So tonight our guest is going to talk to us about what we can do to regain our status as we the people and what the difference is, what we've been presumed that we are and how we can come out of that status and be able to have a lot more say in what's going on and, and take over where the government has failed us and basically replace our governments with our own self-governing. So um, our guest tonight is James uh, Michael and we had him on before. He was really well received. And um, so we brought him back. And he is, uh, he's a member of the Peacekeeping Tax Task Force. And uh, James Michael is a professional Northern California dirt to doorknobs electrical contractor who became curious about the deeper layers of law and language about three years ago. He has been actively studying since then. And for the last year has been part of the California Assembly on the Land and Soil Jurisdiction. So with that, I'd like to uh, welcome our guest, James Michael. Uh, good evening uh, and good morning to you, Timothy. <laughs> good morning, good evening. Thank, thanks very much. It is uh, it's minus twelve and pretty dark out there. Yes, so good evening to you. At least we both have dark skies at the same time this this week. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, maybe we can brighten it up a little bit today and uh, put some hope in people's hearts and uh, realize that uh, due to all that chaos. What usually comes out of it is, you know, something good, um, especially when you lose everything and you got to start at the bottom. Everything going up is good, right? 
So that's what we're about to, um, that's about what's going to happen to all of us. If we don't wake up and correct our status, we've been classified as persons, which are corporate entities, and we need to turn ourselves into our rightful birthright political status, which is the one of the people. And with peoples comes those rights that we're talking about earlier, you guys had mentioned. We don't, most people, well, most persons out there think they have rights. They have civil rights, but they don't have unalienable rights. The ones that come from God that are supposed to be protected by our government. The trick is, is that we've been classified to be employees of the government. So therefore, we're all supposed to serve the people. Well, none of the people exist right now until you've corrected your status. And uh, where I'm here to encourage people to do some simple paperwork and get out of the jurisdiction of the sea and get your toes in the sand on the land and learn about how to self-govern and be one of the people um, that was created by our found fathers, founding fathers for us. So uh, we just got to pick up that torch and uh, carry forward. Um, I wanted to mention that in the, we talked about law, land, air, and water, the three testimony jurisdictions, and uh, that comes down to what we're talking about today with civil rights and unalienable rights. Those civil rights were created um, during the uh, 1860, uh, well, actually, when they, uh, the Civil War happened and Lincoln freed the slaves, um, allegedly, everybody was converted to U.S. citizens, which are the definition of citizen is slave. And so the slaves, to them, thought they were free because everybody else became a slave. So they appeared to them that they were free now. But that really wasn't the case. And that's how we've been tricked into becoming U.S. citizens, which is actually a British foreign territorial subject, which is shocking to most people when they say that they're a U.S. citizen. And you mentioned in tonight's uh, intro that, you know, the United States, what we really want to say is the United States of America. Uh, every time we say the United States, that represents that corporation. So we want to not use those terms and those words. Um, I wanted to say, let's see, um, is that those constitutional rights, I think I said that, that are protected by the Constitution was given to our government employees as their, you know, their marching papers on what their job was to do. And it was to protect our rights. And they put them at the top. You see these number 10 rights? Don't be messing with them to we the people. Um, so with that, I think, um, oh, someone mentioned uh, in the intro about Republic. And I, I would love to talk about that and the difference between a democracy and a republic and oligarchies and things like that. So we know where we stand up that right. And with regards to the, the shutdown when these executive orders that only apply to government employees um, from the governors or the president, it, executive orders only apply to the government employee. So if you're following them, you must be a government employee or think you're a government employee. And uh, we actually, for the everybody else who's not with that, and you stopped, started doing all these executive orders and following them, well, you've given up your rights because nobody told you to do that. So we have to learn how to 
get our rights back, know who we are, stand up for who we are, and have a voice. Um, with that, uh, that's what I have. Okay, Excuse well, we, <laughs> now you've got a lot more, uh, but uh, we're, we're just about to hit the break, but uh, I do want to come back after break and really go into detail about the difference between corporations and republics to start with, and then also then we can dive into this idea around um, what we are as far as our status goes and how we ended up being over here without ever knowing it. Because people, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, but that's not true. I mean, I never signed up for that. So um, anyway, that's what I want to come back on. So with that, I think we can go off into break. I want to say one thing, if I can get it in. Um, Dominion, God in uh, acronym, grantor of dominion. So who granted us dominion over the election? They were called dominion voting machines. I just find that quite ironic. (laughs) That is. (laughs) Okay. All right. Our objective from the beginning, um, if you look back through English history, the common law and equity both developed under different systems. The common law was originally always the the original system of law, which was biblically based. And it was handed down orally from person to person over the years because there wasn't any any printing press or writing until the Middle Ages, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas equity, however, what would happen is the common law at that time was extremely strict. Very, very harsh. <laughs> and most people fail to, to realize the, uh, the strictness. For, and I know, for example, um, one criminal charge sometimes can take four or five pages to lay it out of everyone. And if you missed a, a, a dotting an I, you, the, the guy could have the charge thrown out. So what developed was eventually people who thought that the common law was too harsh were petitioned the king for redress. And then the queen, king I should say, or queen, would determine if they were going to have mercy on him and what they were going to do. Um, sometimes they were thrown to the wind and said, too bad, you're out of luck. Other times they would get redress. And what would happen as more and more people started going to the king, he couldn't handle the workload. So he appointed it to the chancellor. Mm-hmm. And that he started doing it, which then became the court of chancery or equity. And of course, a number of principles developed in equity, I think there's 12 or 13 of them now, um, that developed over the years where it basically was a, uh, a separate form of, of law based on fairness and various principles that developed parallel to the common law. And then early in the 1900s, they were fused into one court because you had different courts, common law and you had equity. And they fused them into one court where the same court would apply both systems of law. And if there was a conflict, and only if there was a conflict, common law would prevail. Hi, I'm David Kevin Lindsay, Canada. And I would urge everybody to be able to support the other side of the news. With the news media all over the world essentially promoting the government narrative on virtually every issue out there, everybody needs an alternative source of accurate, truthful information. And the other side of the news provides 
that information, that source of information from a variety of speakers all over the world with personal knowledge and experience that they can share with everybody in over 160 countries that they're involved in and that they go to, to show everybody in the world what they are doing to support and encourage everybody else to also stand up for freedom issues throughout the world. I would urge everybody on a regular basis to listen and support the other side of the news. Good evening. Welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight, our show is Scott Wright, and our guest is James Michael, and we were just discussing uh, the difference between the corporation and a republic, and uh, we were going to go into that a bit in the history, but also I wanted to bring up that uh, these items that we're discussing and the principles here, if you are in a different country, uh, these are generally applicable. They might, there might be slight differences, but the, the things that we're going to suggest here, please keep an open mind if you're from a different country, because these uh, these work the same way. The common law system works um, the same way in almost all countries. Not all countries, but almost all. So I just wanted to say that. So, uh, James, with the corporation versus republic, where would you like to start with that? I mean, if, if someone is starting at zero, they have no idea that where we're starting from and what the difference is. Could you start at that place where you where we could kind of have a primer here? Okay, like um, you don't know that you're a person and that a person is a corporation and you um, were taught your whole life that person meant something else, like uh, one of the people, and it's not. So anytime we hear the word person or see the word person in any of these statutes, codes, ordinance, or anything like that, that only applies to corporations and not the living, breathing man. Uh, We've been tricked into that jurisdiction. Um, and we need to learn how to get out of it. And so those rules don't apply to us. And uh, that's how we free ourselves. Okay. So uh, with the corporation, um, without getting into the, the idea of the United States Corporation, like right now I guess we'll just deal with this on a, on a personal level. So we're, we're brought in. And, and I wanted to kind of go over this with, with you uh, as far as the corporation on an individual level. Because a lot of people feel that they have been turned into a corporation, and my understanding is we're kind of running parallel with our corporations. Could you kind of get into that and how that's securitized and things like that, which, what, how that's working with the monetary system? Yeah, they, they created this corporation, and they named it with the exact same name as you have. Uh, except they spelled it in all uppercase letters and then they uh, turned it into securities. And, and you know how you can invest in Apple or you can invest in, you know, Amazon or whatever these companies, GE, whatever you want to invest in out there. Uh, they and these global elite have access to invest in your corporation that's named after you. Now, they created that corporation and they own that corporation. And so it's not you. Your whole life you've been using it and thinking it's you, and that's where the deceit and the lie takes place. Once you realize you're not that corporation, and that is some, that is your, let's, I think I said this, um, you've heard of credit and debit, right? And, and this is your 
debit side, okay? Your private side, living, breathing man, is your credit side. So they created a debit account or a debit corporation. They created that corporation and gave it some value, and they did this to everybody. And then they pledged that amount of value of all the corporations, if you will, um, to fund the government. And that's how they, when they started the Federal Reserve Act in 1933, um, when they did that House Joint Resolution 192, Public Law 7310 is when they did that trickery, that deceit. And then everybody jumped onto it going, yeah, that's me, that's me. So when you go buy a house and you, or a car and you whip out your uh, ID, which is really isn't yours, it's the identification of your corporation, well, you just bought the car. Well, who bought the car? The corporation bought the car, right? So what we want to do is learn how to separate ourselves from being the corporation so that we can own our assets and our property, including our rights. Our rights are our property. Is that, is that good enough? Yeah, it, it starts to. I mean, I, I actually really like the analogy of, of the stock, like an apple. Could you go a little further with that idea, uh, explaining how – that works with uh, with us. How that corporation was created and it's it's sold and bought and who how they use that. Well, they use it to fund the government. In other words, they say there's a value of it, and um, and that's how they say the assets of the people are for the private Federal Reserve to loan money or print money, right, if you will. So we have to have there's a credit side and a debit side. We've always heard about the national debt. Well, you've heard about the national credit. Most people haven't, and we have to have a credit side before we can have a debit side. So, but created all these corporations. They said the value of these corporations was was what was ever that is. I don't know. And they said that's the credit. You know, it's probably unlimited, I would think. And they said that's your credit side. So then they borrowed, or the Federal Reserve printed money, Federal Reserve notes and flooded the market with those in, in, in exchange for the credit, right? So in other words, there's, let's hypothetically say there's a trillion dollars worth of credit. So they print out a million dollars worth of banknotes, and people use that in the circulation. Uh, and, and that's basically, in a nutshell, how what they're doing to fund the government, because they took all the gold and silver in 1933 from everybody. They took it all as the assets and we put and the federal reserve uh fdr uh, what's it franklin De devonor roosevelt pledged all these assets and all the silver and gold and in exchange for that turning in all the gold they would discharge your debts in other words that corporation that they created for you was the debit side but there's also a credit side and you were supposed to have access to that credit side of that account our whole lives, we only know about the debit side. So if they owe you a hundred million dollars, and you have a million dollar house that you need to, that you bought in a mortgage, you were supposed to be able to discharge against that hundred million dollars that they owed you. You'd say, well, here I owe you a million dollars for this house. So now in that credit account, there's only, you know, nine hundred ninety-nine million. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So that's what was supposed to happen. And bankers and the politicians didn't want to teach the people about it. 
I kind of have a hunch that they all know about it and know how to do the proper paperwork to access that credit side of your account. But that whole corporation and that whole thing has just ended in bankruptcy. So um, who knows what's going to be the outcome of all that. Uh, but getting back to a republic and a democracy, the republic is uh, people, you know, who have unalienable rights, right? So a democracy is mob rules. In other words, 51% can say, oh, the other one, 49% have to follow this rule that I just made up. Well, that's a true democracy, mob rules. A republic is where you can vote all you want for the people that you want in office, but they can't make rules against your unalienable rights. You can't break them in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, that's how you're protected. They're not supposed to touch those. And, and of those rights are like the Bill of Rights, your right to free speech, your right to bear arms, the right to be happy, to earn a living, to keep the earnings that you do make during the day. Um, you have a right to keep those. Um, if you don't, uh, okay, let's explain slavery. If I was your slave and I was working for you and I had to give all of my work to you, I would be a slave, right? If you could take all the earnings okay, that I made every day and I had to give them to you, I would be your slave. Well, if I, what about 50%? Am I still your slave? Yes, or 50%. What about 10%? Well, yeah, I'm still your slave. What about 1%? Yeah, I, down to 1%. Yeah, you'd still be a slave for that 1%. So you're, you have, we, the people, have a right to keep our earnings. We don't owe that to anybody unless we voluntarily give that up. And so the Bill of Rights is the rules to, that our government employees are supposed to follow with regards to the people. However, according to them, there aren't any people because we've all taken the status of employee of the corporation by accepting that birth certificate and claiming that that is us our whole lives. Okay, so on that so that status. So first of all, I want to say, because um, this, I remember when I first came across this idea years ago, it sounded super foreign to me. I mean, what do you mean? What's a U.S. citizen? And that's a really interesting question of what's a U.S. citizen, because I have uh, researched that, and it's, it's, it's a very um, ambiguous definition. Uh, everything else, the national things like that, they're all uh, very easy to define, but the U.S. citizen is a fiction that was made up. Uh, that, by, I mean, the definition of it. So we're actually foreign when we're U.S. citizens. We're foreign to the to the United States of America. Am I not? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, you're correct. You're you're a foreigner. You're a British territorial subject um, when you are a U.S. citizen. So most people don't realize, but the territorial government it was hired by we the people way back when. And guess who we hired? The British. The British. Yeah. <laughs> we hired so, them because we didn't have a Navy. So we hired them to be our Navy and, and do other government services. And they kind of just usurped the power. And when we were supposed to reassemble and reconstruct after the Civil War and bring back the government of we the people by the people, they were supposed to help us. However, they decided not to. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> You know, what I noticed is that everywhere you go for any kind of job or any kind of travel, it's, of course, are you a, are you a U.S. citizen? And 
it just seems so momentous, monumental to try and to educate the public. We need to, but it seems like such an overwhelming task. And I'm aware that you're doing something that can help the everyday person who doesn't isn't familiar with this accomplish that to move from being a, a citizen to a natural. A national, yeah. A, a national, yeah. Yeah, I, I talk to people on a daily basis. I encourage people to correct their status and become one of the people um, so that we have some standing. If none of the people exist, then we don't have a country of we the people, by the people, and for the people. The biggest problem is everybody thinks that they're one of the people, and they're not. They're a person. They're a corporate fiction. Or they're identifying as a corporate corporate fiction on all their paperwork and everything that they present. Um, so that's how can they're you, getting caught into that. Can you give, like, an example of people you've worked with that you've helped them go through this process? Yeah, well, we're, we started – I got involved with the assembly about a year ago, roughly, and – got involved and then got more involved and then started teaching people and helping people learn to correct their status. I have done my status correction and put onto the record that I'm alive and, and, and on the land. And, and so um, did, so, you wouldn't come and knock on your door or was there like, did you notice anything blatantly change for you? That's what I want to say. I have not had any knock on the doors. And I just want to say that when you do the initial step, uh, you know, you have a right to self-determination, right? You have a right under God to tell anybody who you are. Who has a right to tell you who you want to be, right? A person, a corporation, or one of the people. So you have a right to self-determination, but you haven't staked your claim. You know, like in 1849, we're in California here, the gold rush, people would stake a claim, right? And say, I'm the living, breathing man. I stake a claim here. Well, has anybody staked the claim saying that they're one of the people? No. All they have is these dead corporate documents that say they're corporate fictions. You don't have any claim or any paperwork that says that you want to be one of the people. You haven't staked the claim. You haven't claimed it. Right. And no one's educated them. It's not in the school system. It's not in communities. I mean, things move so fast. Generations forget what just their grandparents were doing. So we're talking back even further in time. Yes. This was done by design, in my opinion. This was all usurped by design, the British territorial government and the municipal corporation government uh, run by the Pope in the Vatican was their design was to take down America. Ever since the uh, 1776, we've been, being attacked left and right. I mean, a lot of people know about the central bank and are learning about the central bank and how harmful that is. Well, Andrew Jackson uh, took out the central bank way back when, and he was a hero to some and a villain to others. Uh, Well, who was a villain to? The bankers. Uh, But uh, this country was very, very prosperous. We didn't start um, the taxes until after 1913. Before that, there wasn't any taxes. It was all taxed on the imports, which James? built this country and funded it. Well, yeah. I want to come back to you said the Pope and the Vatican. 
Can you yeah. expand a little bit? I mean, like so many people that would be really foreign. What do you mean the Pope and the Vatican has something to do with our country? Well, the, the Pope has two hats, right? A lot of people don't realize it, but there's the re- religious side, and then there's the office of the pontiff and the pontificate, which is, uh, and I could be saying that wrong because I don't speak Italian, but uh, one of them is the uh, business side of the office of the Pope, which uh, back um, in history, the Pope stepped in between, you know how God granted man dominion over the land, air, and the water? Well, the Pope jumped in at one point and said, I step in between God and man, and I will be the trustee over all the men on the planet, and I will take care of all of their debts. And but wait a moment, stuff. wait a moment. England wasn't Catholic. And neither was America. So, no, you're correct. We're not talking about this. Is uh, if you go back into history, the Pope and uh, let's see, let me get this right. The French during the American War, right when we were fighting uh, the British, we were loaned money from the French to win that 1776 war. Well, that money was actually loaned from the Pope uh, uh, to France. There's so all kinds of things. Right. But the Pope has, if you really go back into history and study over time, the Vatican has been trying gobbling up all of the assets on the planet because they're saying that they are the trustee in control of the planet between man and God. It's a hard concept to grasp that that's what's going on. And all these governments are going along with it. Well, all the municipal governments are owned by the Pope, and all the corporations are owned by the Pope. He runs them all. He has dominion over all corporations because they created the corporation. That sounds so way out there. Anybody who creates controls. That's right. Anyone who creates controls, that goes on with your DNA, everything. Right. I want to explore this a little bit more. So does this also apply to China? Where does China fit in this picture? Is it owned I'm by the sure. Vatican as well? I'm well. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know too much about China, but I imagine everybody in the world has been owned by the uh, the Pope and the Pontiff and the, all the other groups that are out there. You know, the Knights of Malta. You know, and you know, the Davos, uh, the Bilderbergers. I mean, they're all in cahoots around the world to create one world government. That's what this is all about. So there are documents that you could trace from one to the next to the next that would lead back to the Vatican, that the Vatican actually has documents that say we belong to them? Oh, I'm, I don't think that you're, they're just going to come right out and say it. You have to look and kind of read between the lines on a lot of this stuff. But we can say, by looking at the different constitutions, how they've been manipulated and changed over time, right? We have the organic constitution. That was the original one. And then now we have the GMO constitutions, which were turned into corporations and everybody was converted into a corporations. That's how they're, that's how they're claiming control over all of this. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to, hard to fathom, but it's what's going on now. According to, you know, not according to, but on our website, AmericanStatesAssembly.net, there's also a group called the Living Law Firm that's involved with that, and they are tracking down and digging up all of this information, and uh, they have proof of, you know, everything that's going on. If you go back and I think it's Pope Boniface the Eighth, 
that's when he claimed dominion over the land. You can look that up on uh, over the world. You can look that up on the internet, I believe. Pope, I think it's Pope Boniface the Eighth. James, may I ask a question? This is Timothy. Yeah. I'm just trying to put the foundations in play because we still have a lot of ground to cover in this show. You say that the the British obviously have, have a key role in, in this, in historically speaking. So what aspect of the British today have a connection? Is there still a connection? Oh, absolutely. The British um, territorial government, the, our territorial government right now that you're seeing, uh, the government, uh, the territorial government runs the military. So your your army, your navy, your air force, all that is all run by the British um, in America that you think is the Americans is really a British corporation doing government services that we hired them to do. Yes, that's so. In effect, the air force is called the RAF, the Royal Air Force. So does that mean that it's it's headed up by the Queen of England? Yeah, well, it's RAF, and if you're it's. Um, it's either the RAF or the Royal Air Force. If it's the RAF, it's probably a corporation. If it's spelled in all capitals, it is. See, all governments were taken over and turned into corporations. At least the United States that I know of was done on – the United States of America was done on June 11th of 1946 is when all the governments ceased to be um, by the people and for the people and turned into corporate fictions and administrative law. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying law or admiralty law. Mayor, I'm just trying to imagine where this headquarters would be. Let's say that you know this, this is somewhere in the UK. City of London. Okay, the city of there's London. Three, there's three international city states, right? There's right. the Vatican, city yep. of, or Vatican City. There's the city of London inside of London, right? Yes. Then there's Washington D.C. Okay. Its own there's city state. One does okay. banking. One's the banking. I believe that's London. Yes. Uh, the city of London and the military arm, if you will, is the United States of America or the United States, that corporation. And yes. then the, uh, the the Vatican is the municipal um, and all the trusts and corporations around the world. They run like your municipalities. Anytime you work, see the word city, like if you say, I live in this city, you're saying that you're the city of London. Anytime you hear the word civil law, you're talking about Roman civil law. So okay, anytime, what, um, just... I think what's quite interesting is, is the, as far as I know, the, the Queen of England has to ask permission to enter the city of London. So, Correct, because it's its own government, its own country, all on, on by itself. And as far as I know, there are, it has its own version of law, and it has its own police force, I believe. And it has its own yep. uh, political system. So, yep. in that little area of London, I say little. I mean, it's little in terms of size relatively to the rest of the city. Is there a headquarters? I mean, is there a sort of a hierarchy? Are there sort of you know uh, ministers or members of that parliament, or is there a decision mechanism there? I mean, do you know anything about how this this works? I cannot speak on the inner workings of the city of London or the inner workings of the Vatican or the inner workings of Washington, D.C., but on the outset of it, I can sure see all the corruption and destruction. 
Sure, sure. I mean, it's plain to see, and, and unfortunately, underneath everybody's nose these days. But it, it's. I'm just trying to imagine, uh, you know, two of these three centres, and you know, each one has deals with a certain aspect of of you know life, basically. Then how we may have seen them also influence other events historically. Um, I mean, for example. I think one of the interesting points about people who were leaving the the German army in the Second World War, they were escaping to South America. I believe they would make their way, first of all, to the Vatican, where they were pardoned. This is people like uh, sort of SS officers and so on. They were pardoned by the Vatican and given new identities, new passports, and then they were you know, shipped one way or another to South America start a new life. So, I mean, was that also part of this mechanism, do you think? Yes, and this mechanism been going on for thousands of years, and I'll just, you know, have you heard of Emperor Justinian, who existed uh, uh, in 520 to 560 AD? Vaguely by name, but I, I... He perfected the law of the dead, or corpus juris, which means dead law, or the law of the mm -hmm. dead, or the law of the sea, the law of the corporation is what he perfected. This goes way back. They've been, this plan has been working on for a long time globally, and they really couldn't take over, in my opinion, until after they had like the internet, where you can spread the message around the world instantly. Once you could do that and take over all the news, and all the news agencies say the exact same thing, then no one's getting any news, and no one's, it's all propaganda. And that's what we're seeing today, and, and in my opinion. When you say propaganda, you mean the, the, the news events that we see? I mean, are you saying that that is the propaganda, or what, what is the propaganda in your eyes? Um, well, the BBC, right? British Broadcasting Corporation was started no. to, no, it's uh, just in the war, correct broadcast property. Just one thing, that's the British Brainwashing Corporation. Let me just correct okay. you on that. Yeah. Right, and they were started uh, to be a propaganda arm during the war, just like a... You know, you had uh, Hanoi Roisy or whatever during the Vietnam where she'd say, GI, turn in, you know, you go home, stuff like that, all that propaganda. The BBC, the CBS, NBC, all those radio stations were started uh, to broadcast propaganda in support of their own countries. Uh, so yeah. we're coming up on the top of the hour break. Our guest tonight is James Michael. The show is called Got Rights. Our co-hosts are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. And we shall return after the break. the other side of midnight by subscribing to Club 19.5 and thereby joining our unique growing radio community. Tune in to listen to our fascinating guests, pioneers on the out there edge of science and thought, 
and gain access to exclusive member benefits. To do this, just visit our website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the navigator bar or in the left-hand column. Membership costs $19.95 per month. That's 33 tetrahedral cents a day. I mean, it's the price of a couple of cups of coffee. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to this show and literally hundreds of previous shows on hundreds of different topics going back to 2015 that we have done. Our archive shows have the commercials removed, and you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the 19-point archives if you prefer. To enhance your listener experience, a new The Other Side of Midnight podcast is being added to all show pages, which will allow you to instantly search the show archives of Radio with Pictures, thus easily accessing the corresponding show. Plus, you can just as quickly access the entire podcast list when you're on the go. I want to personally thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your continuing support, this show would literally not be on the air. Please continue supporting the broadcast to provide you with the most interesting conversation available, talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought, and if you like what you hear on the other side of midnight, tell your friends and continue growing the show by having them subscribe to Club 19.5 as well, because we need all of you. And when I say we need you, you're the reason we're doing all this. Oakland, over and out. Judy Mikovich, and I've really enjoyed being on the other side of the news radio show tonight with with Cynthia, Tim, and Anetta as well. It was really a great experience for me, and I think things like the other side of the news because we don't hear these things. I saw this horrific commercial on TV, and I know them to have perpetrated fraud in vaccine court. important for radio shows like this to have discussions. And I really think these types of radio shows reach a very large audience and people are listening. Thank you.
I just really think it's important for people to be able to hear in depth and hear the kinds of discussions worldwide so that we can compare experience and really... Both got right. And our co-hosts are Annette Driscoll, Timothy Saunders. And I just got a message, go. All right. Welcome back to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is James Michael. Co-hosts are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. And the show is called Got Right. So Timothy and Annette are both here waiting to continue this conversation. And James, you're still with us, right? Yep, I sure am. Somebody's muted. James, before the break, we were just talking about the National Broadcasting Corporations and uh, how they they start. If you're talking, you're muted. Uh, All right. I'm going to pass this to Annette so she can. Can you hear me now? Hello. Okay, I guess I get to go ahead and talk. I can't tell if we have lost internet. He hears us, he says he hears us, but we don't hear Timothy and we don't hear James. Okay, well, it seems that the ladies in the wheelhouse in California have some technical issues with their sound. I was just in the middle of uh, studying a question. James, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you five by five. I can hit you five by five as well. So let's continue for a second while uh, the technical situation is resolved. So James, we were just talking before the break about how the BBC and other sort of national broadcasters around the world are really pushing out the propaganda of the, obviously the government. And uh, do you have anything to add about that, about sort of the American side of that, or any any other, you know, reflections from other yeah, countries? I, yeah, I would like to say that uh, you know these propaganda arms. If you do a little bit of research, you'll discover that all of the uh, TV stations, radio stations, are all owned by a handful of people that are all involved in sending the same message. I mean, you can look here on different radio, uh, different thing networks, and they'll say the exact same sentence, word for word, and you know, on all these different stations. And you're like, how can that be? Uh, People don't normally talk that way and repeat the exact same. So they're repeating talking points and pushing out propaganda. And it's it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I've I've recently seen a number of times, actually a number of people have done this, where they literally take one news story, uh, which has been told by different corporations or different channels from the same country or even internationally, and what they're doing is sort of cutting the first three words from one presenter on one station and then cutting to the next presenter on a different station and then even cutting to a different presenter in a different station in a different country. But the story flows, the narrative flows perfectly as if, you know, there's no difference at all. So these, you know, these, these news narratives continue to, to flow as if they are literally reading from the same script, not just in the same country, but in the same, uh, the same time throughout the day. It's, you know, and I, it's, it's amazing how, 
how people do not notice. And I guess when people do not um, travel or, or gain a different perspective, then there is no way of imagining that, that would be the case. Well, yeah, and you know, you know, most people, as you know, they get. It's not so much the message anymore; it's the delivery. It's the it's the person that you're talking, the people that you're talking to, and and they put you down. Like wrong color hair can't hear your message. Different color skin can't hear your message. Come from a different country can't hear your message. It's all about division. So obviously, the people that listen to CNN are only going to listen to CNN. The people that are going to listen to NBC, they're going to listen to them. They're not going to bounce around. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely shocking. Everybody's going to get the exact same message, right? Yeah, they're not going to go listen to another side of it. So, where does this message come from? Do you think? Where is the origin of this message? Well, oh come on, it's pretty obvious. It's uh, well, I mean, Builder the Burgers, thing is, Davos, the global elite, you know. Yeah, but it's it's That's obvious for us to, because we're we're researching this every day. But I mean, we have to remember there are a lot of listeners who are literally on the edge of the, the knife, deciding which way they want to jump, or you know, people who are joining the show who are, you know, just fairly new to this subject. I mean, I was talking with a, a friend of mine the other day, and I was just mentioning about how terrible the BBC has become and how opinionated and how, you know, unbelievably, um, what can I say, one, un, you know, it's totally biased. It's become in one direction. It's so pro-vaccination. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how it's become. It, it's, Presenters are abhorrent. They're rude. They are, um, you know, anybody who has anything different to say, as you say, is just literally like they're filtered off within seconds, and somebody else is brought on with some other narrative which supports the cause. It is a terrible state of affairs in the UK. And I was explaining this to a friend of mine in Turkey, and he said, "You know what? You know, there, there is also in in Turkey there's a national television station. I I, I didn't really think about it because I don't." I don't necessarily watch it. And I said, yeah, but surely you don't have to pay a license fee to, to watch it, do you? He said, no. But if you look carefully at the bottom of the electricity bill at the end of every month that everybody has, then you'll see there's one little line where everybody who consumes electricity is actually sponsoring this, this national TV station. And again, if you don't know that, it's this one little line of small print which um, means that everybody is subsidizing or, or buying in to this, this national TV station, therefore buying into this narrative. And how is, communist. Yeah. How is this in the States? Is, is there a national broadcaster? Is, is there some way that people pay for this or do they, they support it without knowing? The government, I'm sure, I can't, I haven't done any research or prove it, but, um, you know, I haven't delved into it, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of these corporations are in bed with uh, the government, right? And that's just what's going on. Uh, what's that called? Uh, corporate feudalism is what they're, <laughs> they're working on, right? Um, taking all the corporations or take over all the world. So they're, everybody's classified as a corporation. Everybody is a corporation. So you follow corporate law. That's what's happening. That's what's going on. Can you kill, rape, murder, cause mayhem to a corporation? Of course you can because it's a dead entity. So once the people wake up, in my opinion, and start saying, no, we're the people, corporations are separate, the, the two can't meet, uh, they're not on the same playing field, you can't have valuable consideration when you do a contract. So 
uh, we need to get ourselves out of the corporate world and realize who we are as the people. And then, and only then, are we going to have a say. Because right now, everybody being classified as a corporation is an employee of the government corporation. So okay, let me ask you. You're going, against, you're going against the grain if you start to stand up about it until you get yourself out of the corporation, and now you have something to say because now you're an employer position and not employee position. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, James, we've been discussing this this topic on our show for um, with with a number of you know excellent guests like yourself, and it is a it is a relatively new subject to me. I've known about it for some years, but I've not known very much about it for some years because you know the deeper you go into it, the more the more becomes uh, clear. However, there will be many people who will be you know, resisting this and saying, well, I can't believe this. You know, it doesn't apply to me. Of course not. You know, my life is like this. And they will, not, they will not be aware of it. But what would be the first thing that you can suggest for anybody, let's say Joe Public, to say, um, what is the first reality to check to say, hang on a minute, maybe this, there is something to all of this. Well, you're going to have to, this is a tough one because you're going to have to read and get into and doing some study. Uh, the problem with our lives is we just believe everything we've been told our whole lives and we really don't get in and read any of these things that's going on. Like, uh, for instance, you know, the corporate government was set up under uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. They have a right in the legislature to build the government corporation services to do however they want. Okay. They can do whatever that we hired them to do these services, and they said, "Okay, if you're going to hire us to do these services, we get to say how our how our government services corporation is going to run. We get to make up all the rules inside of it. Except we gave that corporation a constitution that says, yeah, you can make up all the rules you want, but you can't break all these that are in the constitution. And uh, that's that in a nutshell." How do we get people to investigate the 14th Amendment citizen and look at the difference between the capital letter citizen versus the lower uh, case citizen? How do we uppercase all the capital letter people, lowercase people? People have to start reading and looking at those subtle differences and understand what they mean. So when you see something written in all capital letters, that's where you got to start. You have to realize you've been played. There's three jurisdictions. You've been played by the language. You need to know what the different languages are and be able to recognize them when you're each in each one of those jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy, there's, there's a couple guys out there. There's a Christopher James out of Ontario, Canada. Yes. And there's an Alphonse Fagiola out of the United States of America. And they both have similar uh, uh ways of going about correcting your status and recognizing that you're one of the people. And there's a lot of people around the world that have gone about a different way to discover that they're not a corporation and they want to be one of the people. It's all have a different process, but it's the same principle. And I really like the four questions that Christopher James asked. And turns out Alphonse Fazioa has the same questions, uh, just worded a little bit differently. And I listen to the two, and knowing what I know and what I've been studying, I go, wow, in those four questions, each one of those represents a different jurisdiction, and it covers them. And I was like, wow, that's kind of amazing out of those four questions. So um, 
Well, it's clearly not by coincidence or accident, is it? I mean, no. I think it's very easy to see how you can find your name in capitals, but is is there anywhere I can see my name in lowercase, you know, with, with the capital letter and then lowercase for the rest of the word? Is there somewhere I can see that that is different? Uh, I'm just trying to, to to approach this from from the perspective of somebody who is not yet fully aware, who maybe, you know, find some some path in order to to want to put time in, to invest time, to read and research this, because I think certain people need a sort of a nugget of information in order to have that aha moment in order to invest the time. So what is there some, what would you say is the answer? Is, is there some aha moment? You can't look around and see how the world is collapsing around you and the whole thing is, is you know something's wrong, but you can't put your finger on it. The aha moment is this is what you put your finger on it. And this is our, our hope and our chance to be able to correct the world that we live in. Um, and it's our only chance, if you ask me. If people don't correct their status and go, wow, I didn't know I wasn't one of the people. I sure like, would like to be one of the people. You mean that Bill of Rights, the freedom of speech, doesn't apply to me as a person? It only applies to me if I'm one of the people and I'm not one of the people yet? If I don't, I can't make it any clearer um, why you would, <laughs> wouldn't you want those rights? Yeah, I would, but I mean, you I, can look around and you can see a complete shit show going along in, in the, the planet at the moment. But on the other hand, you can't directly say that this is the reason why. I mean, you, you could, it's clear to see that what's going on, but it doesn't directly mean that this is the cause. So what I'm trying to say is, what is it? that somebody can see in your mind, but what is it that somebody can say, I'm going to check this, and now it has my attention, because yes, it validates what James is saying, or what Christopher James is saying, or what you know, some other, other specialists are also saying about this subject. What validation... Look up your birth certificate. Look up your birth certificate. Yeah, but Look all you're going to see is it's in capitals. I'm saying that's obvious. You can look on your, your credit cards. You can look on your driver's license. It's capitals. But it doesn't necessarily say this is the cause. I'm just trying to say, is there something which can say, this is the cook that caught me. This is what caught my attention. What, what caught your attention, for example? I read the book, um, The Creature from Jekyll Island, that was... Um, about the central banks getting together in America on Jekyll Island, which is off of the state of Georgia in America. And they privately, these private bankers who hated each other, who uh, you know, were all in competition of who could get the most amount of money and rob the people, they got together all together in secret and plotted this out. And uh, there's many things written. Um, gosh, what's that one guy? But he writes this out and he says the whole thing and he says, uh, if one in a million men would ever discover are this fraud and what we pulled over them, they, no one would ever believe them because it's so elaborate and so, you know, such a great scheme. Um, uh, this is, they, they write about it. They shove it in our faces constantly. Um, look at the movie, The Matrix. I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is it. And if you, if you need more proof or you need some aha moment, you know, I really don't know what that is. I've been trying to discover what that is. And that one sentence that I could say that make people go, heck, yeah, I want to correct my status and be one of the people. Um, I saw it. I can see it. It's plain as day to me. Um, so I corrected my status. And someone asked earlier, um, any harm going to come to you? Any? I cannot say, 
you know, I'm not God, so I can't say what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. But I know when I did my paperwork over two years ago, nothing has happened to me. Um, and I've done just the, there's a simple process of doing your paperwork and where you don't poke the bear, you're not doing anything. Now there's many other steps to get out of all those contracts that your corporation got into. Uh, you want to undo a lot of those fraudulent contracts and get your assets back onto the private side, onto the land. That's more paperwork and stuff you can do down the road. That is a little bit of poking the bear. Even though I have done those things, I have not been poked by the bear. Not saying that I'm not going to be. Um, I'm preparing myself and reading and studying each day to know, be strong and firm in who I am as a man and not a corporate fiction so I can be able to defend myself. I'm getting more and more people together to correct their status so we have standing, a group of us as people saying, yeah, we're on the people. We know the fraud that you guys did, and we're here to correct the mistake. I yield. Yeah, I, I hear. I hear you. I mean, I'm not saying these questions. I'm not asking these questions personally. It's my own personal reasoning. What I'm trying to do is to introduce this subject to people who are not so aware about this because they have not done the research. They've not started the the process. So we can't assume that everybody on this show is going to be an expert and know all about this. Otherwise, why would they bother listening? So my point is I'm trying to make a, a, a ramp, an introduction, so that we can explain you know, the steps and what the benefits are. Kintia, are you there? Would you like to come in and, and set up your next stage? Well, I'm here. <laughs> Okay. I actually wanted to say, uh, so I had I had actually had a conversation with James Michael, and he was telling me about, I think maybe one of the ways for people to understand that their status truly changes is the way that you're treated after the fact. That may be a clearer way to express it. So, for example, James Michael, can you uh, reiterate the story about the people at the airport, for example, where they are aware of the status change? Uh, yeah, the, we had a we have a meeting every Wednesday in California for the California Assembly, and we invite anybody to come and listen. And we uh, all the people that are have done study and have papered up are there to help people and answer questions. And we had a, a gentleman come on there and say that talked about his status correction and what he did. And then he went on a trip, um, and he went down to the airport. He's like, "Oh gosh, what's going to happen? I got my new ID. I got all this stuff. I don't know." He was little didn't know what was going to happen and he was there with his wife and he showed up at the airport and some of the security for the airport as he walked into the building before he even got into line uh, walked up and said come with me and he didn't know what to expect what was going on but the security walked him around everybody walked him through a door and walked him into the game uh up towards his uh his flight down the i forget what the, the flight way there and uh said, have a nice flight. And he didn't get searched. He didn't get checked. He didn't have to take his shoes off, his belt off, nothing. Right. And, and they treated him with total respect and treated him like a man and not as a slave. Um, and there's stories that uh, you hear all the time about people getting pulled over, um, showing their credentials, showing or using their passport, but not their driver's license, and being let go. Sorry to bother you. There's stories where they pull up their your uh, passport, once you've got a passport in a national um, and not as a U.S. citizen, 
Um, they run that and the cop will walk up to the side or the policeman will walk up to the side of the car and say, sorry to bother you to say, sir, have a nice day. And they turn around and leave. Or they'll say, are you in the military? Because uh, you're not coming up. Something's weird about what's going on. And they won't tell you. And they're told not to tell us um, is what I've been told. Uh, but it, it is happening. People are waking up. The thing is, is that to educate people that there is a different jurisdiction and the land is definitely one of them that's been missing. Yeah, so I've, I've had actually, uh, I've been around this and, and I have many friends that have had lots of stories like this. Uh, I actually did have a friend who um, they accidentally put in the back of a police cruiser and they brought, they did that before bringing up their information. Then they brought up their information and a big red screen, uh, uh, a big letters, red letters flashed across the screen, large, do not detain. So there was, you know, you are of a different status. How it works, none of us are exactly sure, but we know that it, it's not the same. So there definitely, it's like you're, you're living in a parallel universe out there. Um, and you, things are different for you. Now, you can take it a lot further. Uh, a lot of things can happen from that. But uh, I, what James is suggesting here is that we're, um, as we become people, we can create the government. So, you know, when, when Trump is talking about re- recreating the republic, the republic is, we are the republic, but we have to get our status to be the republic. So expecting a government to come and rescue us and do everything for us is exactly how we got into the same problem we're in right now. So what, what I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, is being suggested here is that we correct our status and take responsibility for ourselves and self-govern here and bring this thing back around. And the only way we'll get this uh, out-of-control government that we have, and I, I use the term really loosely, um, is to do this. Am, am I am I saying that right at all? Does that make sense? You're absolutely 100% correct in what you're saying. The three branches of government are territorial, municipal, and guess which one's missing? We the people. You're still going to have the water jurisdiction. You're still going to have the air jurisdiction. They're all going to exist till time you know ends. But the thing is, is what has been missing is the soil and land jurisdiction, and that's where we the people stand. So what the, the other governments aren't going to go away. We're, it's like a three-lane road, and we're all supposed to uh, operate in our own lane, right? Well, the land jurisdiction has been missing. There are no people in that lane. So as far as the other two jurisdictions are concerned, hey, we can go over and drive all over that other lane because there's nobody there. And that's basically what's going on. They're taking over our lane because we're not there driving in it or traveling in it, if you will. So that, that's an analogy. But that's what we need to do. We need to paper up, show that we have people withstanding, and start taking our rightful position. Our rightful position is to monitor the other two and keep them in check, right? We're the boss. They're the employees. We're say, hey, quit mowing over the roses, right? Stop it. That's why they're doing mowing over the roses is because we're not there saying no because we don't exist. Mm-hmm. And and it's a totally it's a totally paper world. That's the other thing. It was really it was difficult for me to grasp. But it was all it was all paper, and n- nothing really counted except for what was on paper. So the actual 
you know, the living, breathing thing, the fact that you're standing and breathing doesn't really matter until you declare it on a piece of paper and say, no, I am, I am living and breathing. And then it's like, oh, okay, it's recognized because everything is done in, in a paper realm. And uh, so everything must be on there to, to make it happen in their world. Uh, and that seems very foreign, but it, it is, I, my understanding is that's how it's functioning. Yeah, that is how it's functioning. It is only in a paper world. It's the world of the dead. Okay. And it's hard for people to grasp that, but it really is the world of the dead. It's the opposite of the living. So in the living, we don't need paper to do contract. We can just do a handshake, right? In their world of the dead, it only you can only do business on paper. Just that's the only place it exists. So when people go into court and argue and start talking and all these different things and they just get railroaded and run over, they don't understand why. Well, they can't be seen or heard. There in the thousands, we are billions. We are billions of people. So they need technology, very advanced technology, to be able to control us. And that is where AI, 5G, comes in. And then through the vaccine, also get rid of two-thirds of us. So it's like a very, very, very dark agenda there once to play out but I tell you the way I see the future oh my god fantastic oh like my mom said fan bloody fantastic hi this is Ola Bonagol from lightonconspiracies.com you know over the years I've done some 500 to 1000 international interviews and I just want to say the other side of the news is one of my favorite shows
other side of the news. Our show tonight is called God Rights, and our guest is James Michael, co-hosting our Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. And we have a very patient caller on the line. Uh, Keith, can you bring Rudy on, please? Um, Kinthea, um, I was going to say, really, everything seems to work well when there is agreement but this this world really is an interdependent world you the type of system you're talking about individual people uh, without the uh, a government is a very ends up being a very backward situation which could never really advance any further. That is why many of the people from other countries come to Western nations because they have a government which actually bring about infrastructure, farming, and the support and uh, education and uh, hospitals. So individual people can't do these kind of things. They can't supply water for themselves because they have to go to work. They, they can't instruct their children because they have to go to work. So really, we're, we're all interdependent. We produce goods and services which, which we have to sell, well, which we have to sell to other entities and uh, we have to buy in return also. So what what uh, drove me to think about this is that I was watching a film yet, uh, last night in Africa. And what happened is everybody's trying to steal their resources. But because the, first, uh, they were stealing the fish, huge conglomerate ships were coming in and taking the fish. And so the people, they take the food right out of the mouths of the people because they're not organized, because the government is not, hard, is not supported by any type of taxation or anything of that nature. They can't oppose these people. And this happens in many of the countries where you see independent sort of people running these very small businesses, but can't, they can't succeed further. It's because... Life is interdependent. Everybody, we depend on the doctors, we depend on the teachers, we depend, everybody depends on it because everybody can't do everything. They can't go building all these roads. They can't be building all these uh, hospitals if they're, if they're uh, you know, if they're musicians. They can't be building a hospital. They can't. So in other words, an, an advanced society requires some 
type of government or governing, and that's why you pay these taxes. The fact of the matter is you might not agree with it because even people in the family don't necessarily agree. So, But somebody has to organize this, uh, some entity uh, has to enter, uh, do these kind of things like a government. The only thing, I mean, take it when everything is fine. When, when, what happens when a depression comes along? You don't have a job. Well, if you don't have a job, what are you going to do? Who's going to get together? Who's going to print the money? Who's going to, you have to have a governing system. Otherwise, the whole uh, economy falls to the toilet. I mean, in North America, we had depressions. I don't know how many depressions we had, but it's always a depression. The only, the only fortune, we, we are fortunate because we're living in a virgin uh, country. People have been living in China for 6,000 years. Imagine having to support people uh, to feed people on the same land for 6,000 years. We're, we're here, we're on, what, 200 years, 300 years. So, okay, go ahead, uh, Mr. Michaels. I was going to say that that's if you believe that the government needs to take care of you. Now, I never said get rid of the government because you do need your roads repaired. You do need these things. I never said that. We have governments in place already, but the problem was they used to be governments by the people and for the people. What they've done is converting them into corporations. Corporations only have one thing in gold, and that's profit for their shareholders. So once all the governments in the world have been converted into corporations, now you have a problem, and that's what's going on. So you do not have governments by the people and for the people to manage the water, the roads, and whatnot. So they're robbing the people, right? The people's taxes do not go to the roads at all in any way, shape, or form. They only go to fund the bankers, and you lose all that money because it's all fiat. But we can go down that road. But my point was that I wanted to make is, yes, we do need government. We're not giving away. We're just saying it's a government by the people and for the people. And when you take away regulation and you give people freedom, that's when you're going to see prosperity. This world is of abundance, not scarcity. And if we start looking that way and watching out for each other rather than trying to steal from each other because a monetary system that loses value over time and every single one of these depressions have been funded and absolutely planned by these evil bankers and the whole system from the beginning of time. Incrementally, they've done steps. Like in 1870, they created the Act of Corporations to turn a government into a corporation in 1871. That's when we got, I call, the GMO Constitution. We had the original Constitution, which we call the Organic Constitution. That was called the Constitution for the United States of America. That was for the people. In 1889, they created the other corporation, uh, government and they called it the Constitution of the United States of America. That's when it became a corporation. Then in 1913, they brought in the central bank again. Then in 1933, they did the uh, House Joint Resolution 192 and pledged all the assets of all the Americans uh, to the banks for the final round of bankruptcy, which just now is closing up and finishing as we speak. It, uh, um, so that's over. And now we are going to fund a new round of government. What, why they formed this? 
what? Uh, sorry. Uh, why the why they formed uh, this Federal Reserve is because there were several depressions. In 1905, uh, there was a depression, and the, the nations decided that they couldn't continue running uh, this kind of uh, every man for himself type of system. And so they formed the uh, the Federal Reserve. Everybody runs the Federal Reserve down. I don't see why. After all, the Federal Reserve really is to to keep a value of the dollar, uh, keep the value of the dollar, and uh, anything they do, any happen. profit they make, wait a minute, any any profit they make goes back to the government. Has it happened? Have you read that book, The Creature from Jekyll Island? Sir? Yes. No, I haven't. But I've read. I went to the Federal Reserve and I read. Wait, wait, hold on. Read that book, and you'll understand that the Federal Reserve is not federal at all. It's a private corporation. You're incorrect. Now, You're totally it's, 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 incorrect. Well, it is okay, a, the value of the dollar. Do you th- why well, is the, there- the Federal Reserve is a federal government department. The 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 head of the Federal Reserve is selected by Congress. Organization, sir, please answer the question. Is it? Is the federal? Is the IRS a federal government institution? We're talking about the Federal Reserve now. Yes, I know. It's a very simple answer. And the, the 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 head of the Federal Reserve is selected by Congress. And the reason it it, it has an independence is because if it's the government is just ordinarily rude for you to talk over me and act like I'm not speaking. I ask you a question: Is the IRS a federal organization? Is it private or is it a federal organization? How about the CDC? How about the NIH? Can you answer any of those questions? Because I can. I want to ask you this then. Who selects the head of these people? None of those are actual federal organizations, and not including the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is privately held. It is not a it federal It is not the true. Treasury, the Treasury is federal. The Federal Reserve the federal Res- is privately held. If it's you, not true. Okay, well, you need to go and get some education. Ruby. No, no, you have okay. to go to the Federal Reserve site and understand why the shares they're talking about, uh, why they keep shares. Okay, Rudy, i got to ask you a question. Go ahead. Why does the dollar lose value over time if it's such a, you know, tell me that. Explain why there's inflation on the dollar. Well, I, I assume, well, I assume it, the dollar is a dollar. Okay, it it it, okay. it retains the value. Rudy, 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 listen to me very carefully. I'm not sure what country you're from, but here in America, we have something called inflation, and I want to explain it very carefully to you. Okay, let's say you're 20 years old and you have your first job, and at the end of the week, you want to go buy something at the end of the week, and it costs ten dollars. Okay, you're 20 years old, you're making money, you're working hard, no problem. Now, 20 years later, at 5% inflation, that same item that cost $10 at the end of the week or whatever, cost how much? 
after 20 years. It costs $20, Rudy. Now, that's when you're 40 years old. When you're 60 years, the same item costs how much? What was your salary? Now, when you're with all due respect, what was your salary when you first started? Hold on, don't interrupt. I'm trying to teach you something here. Then, when you're 80 years old, that same item that used to cost $10 when you're 20 costs $80 when you're 80 years old. Why? Because your salary has gone up. If you were, because your salary's going up is why this thing costs. That's right. Sorry. (laughs) I wish. I wish. Because the dollar that you're using is losing value. The banana doesn't take any more sunlight, water, or nutrients to grow 40 years ago, 80 years ago, as it does today. It doesn't take any more energy than that. So why does it cost all times more than it used to? Because you have a deflating a currency that's inflating. It's a trick monetary system. It's a card game. You're being tricked and swindled, and you don't see it because it's done so slow over time. Then on top of that, they tax you from your earnings. Do you think taxes are slavery? No, I don't think so. I, 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 I'm very right. happy to pay taxes as long as I can have uh, work to perform, and I'd be very happy to pay taxes because I understand oh, these sure. monies that they do collect, they actually produce goods and services and employ a lot of, of other, other people. They pay interest on loans. From the Federal Reserve. You really need to do some research on your monetary system. It's a fiat currency. There's no gold backing. If you look at the definition of dollar, dollar doesn't even meet its own definition. Okay? All all the funds the Federal Reserve collects goes back to the Treasury. They only keep enough to run the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve does not collect money. You really, really, really need to get some education around this, Rudy. I Wait really a second. What, you say that they pay the federal, they pay interest to the Federal Reserve. Any monies the Federal Reserve collects for whatever work it does for the uh, uh, for the government is returned to the government. The only monies they keep is to run the Federal Reserve. You should go to the Federal Reserve site and see. I put in, in your favorite uh, search engine, is uh, Federal Reserve a private corporation? And it'll bring you right to the Federal Reserve. And you'll get a far better of an idea why they have these 12 uh, Federal Reserves throughout the country. It's, it, it, people are, so do that. If, uh, and, and, and we could talk have, another I've time. Studying, I've been studying currency in the Federal Reserve for over two decades. So thank you very much for your call. I think we're going to move on. You're very welcome. Okay, so <laughs> I had some questions. Wow, I didn't know it was going to turn into that. Yeah, no, that's, that's like that's serious brainwashing. I must have been listening to the BBC. Um, I anyway, uh, Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> I was like, wow, and mathematically challenged. But anyway, uh, so I want to get back to actual real things. Um, so we're talking about the. Uh, the whole thing with these four questions, let's kind of go over that a little bit to, to talk about the different jurisdictions and how those four questions that we had, we had talked about, you and I had talked about, but now I'd like to share them with our listenership to kind of give them an idea how this actually works. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. By the way, can I just interrupt very quickly because I'm not happy with this at all. I'd just like to say, Rudy, thank you very much for calling in and for being very polite as you are voicing your opinion, which you have every right to do. Anessa, please go back to you. Okay. So the four questions that we have talked about, about the property, the administration of property. Did you cut out? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we're hearing each other. I had talked about the four questions. Yeah, the four questions regarding law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, land, air, water, the three testimony jurisdictions. Uh, the land jurisdiction um, is, of course, your equity. Uh, your air jurisdiction is your trust law. And your water jurisdiction is your contract law, which is your corporations under operating under contract law. Uh, so talking, with, listening to these other guys, they came up with these four questions and and what the first question is, is that you ask anybody, if they tell you to do anything, is, am I your property? Well, obviously, they, you're not their property unless you're a slave. So um, the answer is no. The second question is, can you administrate property without right? In other words, if you're administrating me or my property, do you have a right to do that? Well, obviously, if you don't own me, then you don't have a right to administrate my property. And that falls under the trust law with that question. Administrating property is what a trustee would do. Okay, then the next question is, um, do you have a, do we have a valid signed contract that says that I am subservient or your subject? Um, if, you, if I signed a contract saying that I agreed to be your slave or your subject, then bring that contract forward. Well, that falls under your water jurisdiction or your contract law. The last one you would ask is if, if none of those apply and all no falls under that, then is there an injured party? Is there someone claiming that I've injured or trespassed upon them? If the answer is no, then you've covered all three jurisdictions of law and you should not be held accountable uh, so like that's if a, a cop or a judge would approach you. Those are the questions that you would ask them um, in some any situation like like that. Does that answer it? Yes. Yeah, it does. And um, yeah, because we had talked about that as far as some of the things uh, when we're talking about the self-governing part of this. I wanted to go over that a little bit also, as our previous caller. Uh, Rudy, who who did have some points, um, he had his views about whether people could self-govern. Um, I personally don't hold those views, but um, I can understand why people think that because we have been under this idea that we can't take care of ourselves, we can't govern ourselves. And I think there's this misconception around that that says, well, you know, we don't know how to do all these different things. But the truth is we did, we, we've done them forever, we've done them for generations um, before we had all the government, we managed to be able to support each other, create medical systems, create transportation, all of those things without the government intervention. And it's interesting because right now in a, in a world that has an economy, um, you know, the economies that are expanding and growing very rapidly are the countries that have very little in the way of 
of uh, government regulation on those things. They happen to be ex-communist countries, which is interesting because these people have been through a lot of government regulation. Uh, former USSR countries, for example, uh, have a lot of this going on, and they, they're, they're de- basically deregulated, and the economy is allowed to flourish. Also, around the idea of taxation, uh, this country did not have taxation. All of the revenue that ran the country was brought in from tariffs, from importation. So you must have taxation for things to survive. Is that actually true? And and I would say if you look at history and you look at other ways that things are done with the lower taxation, uh, things like that, uh, we are quite capable of self-governing. We are quite capable of understanding what's best for our communities and, and helping each other within those communities. So... I don't know where I'm going with this other than, you know, if as we become people versus persons in a corporation, we start to take on those those issues. And, you know, like building roads, well, the people can decide that we want to hire a company and we want to hire this company because they, they build good roads and they guarantee them and things like that. Um, so, in for example, in Germany, when they subcontract a, a company to repair a road, that company is uh, responsible for maintaining those roads for, I don't know how long it is, quite a while. It, it might, it's at least 10 years. It might be 20. I don't, I don't remember the exacts on that. But the thing is, is they have to build a quality road and they're held responsible. If they don't, they don't, uh, they have to go back and repair them. So we don't have those kind of things in America. What we have are roads that fall apart because there's no incentive for them to build them correctly in the first place. And I think there's, this really illustrates how it would be a self-regulating system if you were held responsible and not in the nanny state where the government was constantly going to take care of you. That's just a statement. Yeah, I was going to say like. accountability, and we're the we're the missing point to keep the government in check. That territorial municipal government, we the people are supposed to be there keeping them in check. But like I've been saying, we've been missing. And I want to point out that government only takes it doesn't create anything it only steals from the people and uh like slavery if you take all of my wages i'm a slave if you take 50 percent of my wage i'm still a slave if you take one percent of what i earned i'm still a slave for that one percent so taxes is slavery in my opinion and once we correct our status and take our rightful position as men and women then we can oversee our government and hire the proper road crew and whatnot, and then keep an eye on them and hold them accountable. Right now, we don't have that, folks, because we've been missing in action, we the mm-hmm. people. I'd like to jump in and just add that, you know, many people do believe that the federal government, that taxes are required to do things, and what many of them are not seeing is that there are other sources of money coming into the government, which has to do with this um, republic and how we're structured and how they're making money off of bonds that are in our name. So it's not that the government wouldn't be having money. It's just that it wouldn't be having an excess of money. And either of you jump in to clarify what I'm saying. And it would be a stable money that didn't lose value over time. So when you work from 20 to 40, you could put your money away. And then when you're an 80, you could still buy that item for $10 of the $10 value that you put in when you were 20. That's what we want is a stable 
honest uh, currency or money system. That's what we used to have under gold and silver. When they took all that away, all those assets, they promised to take care of everything for the people. And that's what a lot of people miss is uh, that the fact that happened in 1933 when all the gold and silver was stolen from all of the people uh, in this country. Ideal. Well, as I said earlier in the show, it's a big learning curve. I myself have been learning a lot because I certainly held the view that, oh, they need money to do this and this and this. And it wasn't until I learned that they did have money from other sources that I began to rethink it. So it is a big learning curve for, I would say, the majority of the population. And the question also becomes, what is the money? Because with the Federal Reserve, what we have is fractional banking, which really is literally, and this is no exaggerating, creating money out of thin air and then charging interest on the money that they created out of thin air. Exactly. So the money is not about money. It's about control, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. Because money doesn't have any direct value. Correct. It's an illusion. The grand illusion on the grand chessboard. We had a guest, Max Wright, who went into how the bankers create money out of thin air. If you haven't heard that show, go back and look for the show with Max Wright. From Jekyll Island, uh, it explains it uh, down to the finest detail. And once you understand and how the banking works, you'll be absolutely amazed and appalled. It's quite um, clever, if you will, in a uh, diabolical way. I'll put a link to that book on the on the page. Yeah, read So like last thoughts novel. we're we're at the end of the show here. Last thoughts, James. Last thoughts are people really consider uh correcting your status and becoming one of the people. You have no idea what you don't have and you don't have you don't have any idea what you don't know. Uh correct your status, become one of the people, gain back your rights and start self governing yourself and uh, take your local government and hold them accountable for uh, all their actions. And definitely, uh, once you get enough people, convert them back out of incorporations, unincorporated counties. Uh, That's my recommendation. And my other recommendation is everybody to work together. Yes. All groups work together on this. It's the only way we're going to make it. Yeah, we got to come together and quit being divisive and, and finding out, you know, we can all point out what we've done wrong, what's being done wrong, but what are we going to do to correct it? Just correct it. That's all I'm asking. Absolutely. Well, Good night, all. We really appreciate your listenership. 